Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Workmeister of Elevate Church, and welcome to our podcast. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the podcast. If you got a Bible, pull out your Bible. Uh, I want you to go to John 21. Um, I'm not going to start in John 21 today. It's okay uh, for all the OCD people. We will get there, I promise you, okay? Don't freak out at me. Um, but today we're going to start a brand new series uh, called Kingdom Culture. And um, I really felt like this summer, we really need to go back to some basics. Um, how many of you know that like the basics are always the foundation of everything, okay? And sometimes um, we can just get kind of loose or kind of loosey-goosey with the basics of life and the basics of our faith. And, uh, and so we're going to talk about this summer how to live in God's kingdom, okay? And, and that's, a, that's a really big difference, and it's a really big deal living in God's kingdom versus the world's kingdom. So um, John chapter 18 says this. Jesus replied, my kingdom is not of this world, nor does it have its origins in this world. If my kingdom were in this world, my servants would be fighting hard to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this world. Verse 37, so Pilate said to him, then you're a king, Jesus answered. You say correctly that I am a king, and this is why I was born. And for this, I came to the world to testify to truth. Jesus is truth. Jesus is truth. The word of God is truth. It says this, everyone who is in the truth, who is a friend of the truth, belongs to truth. It says this, hears and listens to my voice carefully. Okay, so Jesus is making this really clear. Hey, I'm the king, I'm truth, and anyone who is a friend of me in relationship with me really cares about what I have to say. Right? Because when you're in a friendship, when you're in a relationship, how many of all the married people know, like, if you don't care about what your wife or your husband has to say, like, you're not going to have a good marriage, okay? It's just not going to work, okay? You really have to care. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 says this, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transformed and transformed us into the kingdom of his dear son, who he purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. So the word of God is telling us what? There are two very different kingdoms, okay? There is the kingdom of light, and there is the kingdom of darkness, okay? Now, the kingdom of darkness, how do you identify the kingdom of darkness, okay? Anything that is dark, evil, prideful, jealous, angry, never satisfied, you can always go, yep, that's that's the kingdom of darkness. That's the enemy. Listen, what's interesting about the devil is this. He like shows his cards all the time. He's just so prideful. He's so arrogant. He wants all the credit all the time. And so you can pick up pretty quickly that go, hey, that's the kingdom of darkness. That's just, that's not God. That's not love. That's not kindness. That's not patience. That's not self-control. That's that's not God, okay? Now, I think one thing that's so scary is that the kingdom of darkness 
is celebrating so big right now. Um, a, a few months ago, Jess showed me, um, she, she loves TikTok, like every night. Like, I'm sorry, I, I'm just like exposing her dirty, her dirty life, okay? But like, she just watches like, she watches all these funny things at night. And so, but one night she was on TikTok and she was showing me, um, showing me something. And I thought, when I saw this, I thought, this is probably one of the most evil things I've ever seen in my life. And, um, and it was these women, and they were celebrating in the room, in the doctor's room, right before they were going to have an abortion. They were, like, doing, like, dances and, like, celebrating, right? It's so evil and so defined. And, um, but we need to understand some things because I think we look at those moments, we just quickly judge. I, I think first we need to understand that these girls are, they're deceived. They're deceived. Have you ever been deceived? I, I know I've been deceived. Some moments of the enemy deceives me. They're deceived and and what do we, and, and I remember that, I remember that night, like, I was so, like, appalled. You know, like, have you ever had, like, a righteous anger, where you're, like, you're just angry, but you know, like, it's not anger, but you know it's, like, this righteous anger. It's from God. Like, this is not right. This is, this is not, this is not the Lord. But at the same time, I remember that night, I was laying in bed, and I felt the Holy Spirit go, you need to pray for these girls. You need to pray for them. Oh, man, I should have got a big amen on that, okay? But, like, we need to pray for the world. We don't need to judge the world. We don't need to just point our finger at the world. We need to pray for them. We need to love them. Amen? Can I get an amen from anybody? Okay. But the second thing was, is that, you know, the enemy celebrates the kingdom of darkness. And I was, and I was thinking about that. I'm like, okay, why, why is the devil so bent on killing babies? Why is the devil so bent on things like changing the identity of women in our culture, in our time. And let me show you this. Genesis chapter one. I tell everybody, I could give you the story of God in probably the first 10 chapters of Genesis. Like we, I could preach every Sunday from the first 10 chapters of Genesis because it's just the foundation. It's the, it's the foundation of our life. So Genesis chapter one, verse 26 through 28, it says this. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image. Who's, he, well, who's God talking to? It's the triune God, right? It's the Father, it's the Son, and the Holy Spirit, okay? They all manifest different ways, but it's just one guy. And God is talking together and said, let's make human beings in our image to be like us. So God is going, hey, we're God. And how many of you know that God's not confused? There's no confusion in God. And so he comes together and he says, hey, let's, let's create human beings in our image. Okay, he goes on and says this. They will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the wild animals of the earth, and the small animals scurrying around the ground. What is he saying next? He's going, hey, I'm going to create human beings, and then what do I want them to have? I want them to have authority. I want them to reign in this world. Do you know that you're supposed to reign in this world? 
that God has called you to have authority in this world, that God's called you to be the head and not the tail. God's called you to actually change your world, to change your company, to change politics, to change our city. Amen? Like, that's what we're called to do. We're not called to be scared Christians that just kind of take a step back. Like, God's called us to have authority in this life through the power of Jesus Christ. Goes on and says this, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Meaning what? He's the creator, designer. So as creator and designer, he has what? Ultimate authority to design and create as he pleases. Amen? Okay? And it says this, he created Male and female, he created them. Hmm. God's the one who gives identity. Not man. Not confusion. Not a perverse world. God does. Amen? Like he chose. He said, this is male And this is female. Why? Because he's the one who gives identity. And he ultimately gives us ultimate identity for our life. Verse 28. Then God blessed them, told them to be fruitful, multiply, and to govern. Govern the earth. Okay? So what's happening? We see the enemy celebrating abortion, hating babies, wanting to change the identity of women. Why? Because of this. I'll show you. Because human beings, every single one of us today in this room, everybody online, everybody at the correctional facilities, every single one of us on the earth, all have what? We are all bearing the image of God. And every baby that is born into this world bears what? The perfect image of God. God designs every single one of us perfectly. Amen? So, what do we know? God hates, the devil hates what? The devil hates God? The devil hates Jesus? What does that mean? He hates you. And he wants to destroy. His plan is what? Steal, kill, and destroy. And you know what's amazing about women? Women have this special, special gift, anointing, upon their life that is so different than man. What is it? They have the ability to produce the image of God. What an amazing gift. What an amazing opportunity. I love, like, when when our young families in the church, or I don't care what age you are, okay? Let's just say that, okay? When our families in the church have kids, I'm like, yes, have more kids. I know you're like, no, in Jesus' name, we don't, we don't, need, we don't need more, okay? Why, why am I so excited about our kids' ministry? Why am I so excited about our youth ministry? Why do I care so much about these things? Because these are the image of God, and we're going to raise them up in this earth to bear the kingdom, to bear the name of Jesus, and to take the kingdom throughout the earth. We're called to reign in this world. We're all to have authority in this world. But here's the deal. We have to learn 
how to operate in God's kingdom. Because there's two different kingdoms. There's a kingdom that celebrates death. There's a kingdom that celebrates life. And we got to learn how to work in the kingdom of life because our whole entire lives were taught how to live in the kingdom of darkness. You know, like, I thought about this. Like, you know, when we send our kids to school, they go to school for over 40 hours a week. Why do you think the enemy works so hard to get God out of schools? Why do you think he works so hard to get the word of God out of schools? Because he knows that our kids, their attention is at school for over 40 hours a week. Or how about the music we listen to or the movies or the entertainment or family members or friends that don't love Jesus? Listen, our whole entire lives, we're taught how to live in darkness. I don't know about you, but I'm real good at it sometimes. But the truth is this. We have to learn what? We have to learn how to live in God's kingdom. Because God's kingdom is different than this world. And it operates. And I think that sometimes we get frustrated as followers of Jesus because we're like, why am I not seeing the victory uh, of my life? Like you talk about. And sometimes it's just because we don't know how to live obedient lives in the kingdom of Jesus. And we got to learn how to do that. And then sometimes, I'll just be honest with you, sometimes you have to just kind of crucify your flesh and make it. Amen. Right on, Pastor Jeff. All right, Romans chapter 12. Verse 1, it says, Beloved friends, what should we be, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous miracles? It says this, to surrender ourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifice and to live in holiness, expressing all the delights of his heart, for this becomes our genuine expression of worship. Verse two, stop imitating, imitating, imitating. There's this picture I I just found um, from a long time ago. I was probably like, I don't know, four or five years old. Anybody remember the show, The Lone Ranger? Lone Ranger. I know some of you are like, man, you're old. You're super old. And I, I saw this picture, and I would take a broom as my horse, you know what I mean? And I had my cap guns, and I had my cowboy hat on, and I would ride around our house shooting bad guys, right? Because what? What was I doing? I was imitating what I saw, right? So it says, says this, stop imitating the ideals and the pictures of culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit, by the renewing of the way you think. So we have to understand the only way we change is by changing the way we think. The only way our mind changes is by what? The word of God. It's the only thing because Jesus is truth. God is truth. It's the only truth. It's the only real truth in this world. I love when I uh, would go to like business conferences and stuff like that and they would be sharing kingdom principles. They just didn't put Jesus on it. But I was like, that came from the Bible, okay? That, that's, a, that's a truth that came from God, and it always works all the time. And then it says this, it will empower you to discern God's will. So God has a will for your life, 
He has a design for your life. He has a purpose for your life. There's a reason why you're alive today. Because you're called to reign in some area of the earth. You're called to have dominion in the earth. And so you have to figure out, why am I alive? Are we really just alive just to show up to church every Sunday and pay bills and taxes? No, we're called to have authority and to reign in this earth. So Paul's saying what? Stop imitating the ideals of culture. What is he really saying, okay? So he's using this Greek word, okay? Um, so the Greek word is pronounced edain, edain. And it means this, a space in time, okay? Or a present time. And then Paul also uses this Aramaic word, okay? And it mean, the word is alum, and it means this, to surround. So what Paul is saying in Romans, he's going... You need to understand the time and the space you're living in right now, okay? And he's giving us a warning that don't be conformed to the time and the space that you currently live in. Don't be conformed to the culture and the ideals and the space. It's almost like this. It's like when you were a kid and you had Play-Doh, and you would take Play-Doh and you would push it into a mold, Right? You're like, I'm going to make a donut or I'm going to make, you know, um, I'm going to make a cat or whatever. You know what I mean? Even though cats are terrible animals. Okay? I'm sorry. I'm totally a, totally a dog person. Okay? But you would take that Play-Doh and you would, you would press it into the mold to make that shape. What Paul's saying is this. Don't be pressed into the day and the time of the mold of culture. Don't look like culture. Look different. Why? Isn't that the question, though? Like, why? Well, I'll show you. Matthew chapter 28. This is Jesus. He says, now, wherever you go, I love that wording, wherever you go. That means you could be going to work. That means you could be going to the gym. That means you could be going to Florida in Jesus' name. Thank you for Florida. Okay. Wherever you go, Jesus says, wherever you go, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach them to faithfully follow all the commands I've given you. So why do we learn to live in God's kingdom? So that we can go teach other people how to live in God's kingdom. Like, that's the, that's the mission. Like, that's the purpose. That's why we're alive. That's why we've surrendered to Jesus, so that we can help others know the mission. So we're learning this summer how to do what? Live in God's kingdom and then live with mission, purpose, identity, that we start looking at our world differently. We look at our world not through the eyes of like, I'm just going to school because I got to go to school. Right? I remember my brother, my brother Ben, um, the, the summer before uh, his senior year, the Lord just got like a hold of his heart. Like just really got a hold of his heart. And I remember he told me, he was like, I just felt like the Lord told me that I need to like take like two or three minutes every day at my locker and kneel before the Lord and pray at my locker every single morning. And I was like, I was like, do it. 
And, you know, the first few months were super hard. But by the end of the year, he, I bet you he had 20, 30 kids that their parents were going through divorce. Their parents were, you know, things were falling apart in their life. Things just didn't go that way. And they would come and find him and go, you're the kid that prays at the locker, aren't you? And they, he, they would just go, I, I, don't, I don't know what to do, but I have this problem. He lived with purpose. He lived with purpose. Ooh, uh, I know, man, it's like scary, isn't it? You know what I mean? You start sweating. Your palms start sweating. Like, how do I live with purpose? The Lord will help you learn, and we're going to talk about that today, okay? So uh, go with me, John 21. Told you we'd get there. Amen? All you OCD people can breathe now. You've been holding your breath a long time, I know, okay? John 21, verse 1. Later, Jesus appeared once again. This is after he's died, has been resurrected. He appeared once again to a group of his disciples at the Lake of Galilee. It happened on one day while Peter, uh, Thomas, Nathaniel, Jacob, John, and two other disciples were all together. Verse 3 says this, Peter told them, I'm going fishing. And they all replied, we will go with you. So they all went and fished through the night but caught nothing. Okay. Point number one is this. If you're going to follow Jesus, you need to throw away your plan. If you are going to be a follower of Jesus, whatever plan that you have, and listen, I can come up with some really great plans, okay? Like, I got a lot of vision. I got a lot of dreams. I got a lot of plans. I have a lot of desires. I have a lot of hopes, but I can tell you this. The closer and the closer I get to Jesus, the more I realize I got to throw him away. And I'll show you. So Peter, right here in this passage, is what? He's upset and he's super emotional, okay? And I'm going to go through some emotions that Peter is probably going through because First of all, we need to understand he is really disappointed in himself. Anybody ever been disappointed in yourself? How about being disappointed in yourself as you try to follow Jesus? I know there's a lot of times. Like I'm trying my best to follow Jesus and I fail and I just get really disappointed in myself. And Peter is really disappointed in himself because he had a plan to do what? To never deny Jesus. How many of us have been in a moment where we're like, Jesus, I'll never deny you. You know, we're in worship. We're like, I love you, Lord. You know, Monday morning comes. You're like, I'm going to burn the world to the ground, you know. So he's really disappointing himself. Um, he's probably really angry at himself. He just probably has some self-hate really, really angry, frustrated at his actions. He told Jesus that he would never leave him. He's like, Jesus, I'll never leave you. I'll never deny you. It's like a few hours later, dude's denying him. Dude leaves him. He's probably really, really sad and grieving, right? Because Jesus is dead. And, and this is what I love. They all thought that Jesus was coming to be their king and to save them all. Isn't that funny how we always think we know what God's coming to do? 
And then Jesus goes, no, that's not why I'm here. I'm here to save the world through a totally different way. But he's sad and he's grieving. He's probably scared, right? He's probably thinking, what? I'm next. Why did he really deny Jesus? It's self-preservation. He's just protecting himself. He's probably thinking like, they just, they just took Jesus and they're beating him and ripping his beard off and they're, they're going to crucify him. He's probably like, no, not me today. No, devil, no, 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 not me, right? How about this? He's just probably lost, right? Jesus is gone. He's thinking, now what do I do? He just, I mean, come on, let's think about this in like a natural way. He just lost his job, right? His job was following Jesus. And now Jesus is gone. So he probably feels super lost, super insecure. So he's feeling all these emotions. And it, now, isn't it amazing? Today, we all do the exact same thing that Peter and the disciples did, okay? When life falls apart, life gets hard, life doesn't make sense, what do we do? We run, right? We have our Forrest Gump moment, okay? We just run and run and run, okay? And what do we do? We run to what? What makes us happy? So Peter goes, I'm going fishing. He says, I'm going fishing because it's something that he knows, right? It's something that he understands. Like, there's a lot of times where, like, life's just real stressful, and I'm like, I just need to get to a basketball court. I just need to go shoot a basketball because I know it, right? I know how to shoot a basketball. It's it's something that makes me happy. So he goes, I'm going to go fishing, right? But the thing is, he's not really fishing. He's really doing what? He's looking for something to comfort his soul, right? That's what he's really looking for. And when, when we run to things of this world, we are really looking for something. I just need a quick moment, a quick fix. I just need to get something right. I'm just running to something to find comfort. I need to find some joy. I need to find some peace. I'm just running to something. Now, it says this that they caught nothing all night long, okay? Now, it does refer to the fish, that they didn't catch any fish, but there is a bigger and deeper meaning. It means this, they didn't find what they were looking for, right? So let me ask you a big life question. Are you finding what you're looking for right now in life? Or is your soul searching Is it constantly, day by day, yearning and searching and looking for something to satisfy and make your soul okay? Let me tell you this quick story. A few years ago, I was super stressed out. I was super sad, super disappointed. It was like a trifecta. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, Just like a just sad boy day, you know what I mean? Just like total sadness, okay? I was super emotional. And uh, how many of you know that like sometimes when you get super emotional, like 
you just don't think right. You don't process right. You don't make good decisions. And so I had this weekend, and um, by the end of the weekend, I had bought four pairs of shoes. Now, listen, we all know that Pastor Jeff has too many pairs of shoes right now, okay? All right? But I bought four pairs of shoes in two days. And I remember Monday morning came around, and I woke up and I was like, why did I buy four pairs of shoes this last weekend, okay? And then that Monday, I had to do what? I had to take the walk of shame, right? I had to go back to all the stores and be like, I need to return them. And they're like, what's wrong with them? I'm like, nothing. They're like, why are you returning? I'm like, just take the shoes back, okay? Just leave me alone, you know? What was really going on? I was just running the things that make me happy. Right? I'm just running to something that makes me happy. But the reality is this. It's not what really makes me happy. I just went over. I love shoes, but they don't satisfy my soul. They don't make me complete. They don't make me whole. I was just running, looking for something to complete me. John 21, verse 12. Jesus shows up. Don't you love when Jesus shows up? I love when Jesus shows up. I know the very moment in worship every Sunday when Jesus shows up. I know it. I can feel him. I can sense him. I can feel his love. I can feel his grace. I can feel his mercy. I can feel his kindness. I know the exact moment Jesus shows up. You know why? Because the atmosphere changes. Everything changes. Verse 12, Jesus shows up. He says, now come, have breakfast. None of the disciples dare to ask him, who are you? They all knew who it was. It was the Lord. Verse 13. Jesus served them breakfast. Isn't it cool how Jesus serves us? Even when we don't deserve it. Even when we've been just, I'm going to say a bad word. We've been a butthole to Jesus. Right? We just treated Jesus awful all week. And he just still loves us so much. And he comes and he serves us. Verse 14, this was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. What a powerful verse that we would just skip over so quickly. We would just read that verse and skip over it. But this is such a powerful verse because that means Jesus has died for our sins, died for mankind, went to hell, took our place in hell, and now he is raised back to life from the dead. And it gives us our hope. It's our hope that we will not die, but we will be raised up with Jesus for eternity. So this is a super powerful verse. 
can feel the Lord on that verse. Verse 15, after breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, said to Peter, he said, do you love me more than these? His answer is, yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. And Jesus says, feed my lambs. Jesus responded again a second time with the question, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter says, you know that I love you. Then take care of my sheep. Third time, Jesus says to him, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus would ask him this question a third time. Why did Jesus have to answer three times? Because he denied him three times. Why did Moses have to go back to the very scene of his sin and murder? Because God always wants to heal your past. You can't go forward until you heal the past. So what's Jesus doing? He's talking to his failure, his mistakes, and Jesus is covering those. I love that picture. That picture of like when we make a mistake, Jesus comes and he covers it. And he goes, there's nothing to see here. What an amazing, incredible truth. This idea that when we fail and the forgiveness of God comes, that he doesn't even remember it. I mean, come on, somebody. We will beat ourselves up for decades about mistakes that we make. And yet, Jesus... Jesus, perfect Jesus, goes, I don't even remember them. And he sees us perfectly righteous because of his blood. Worship team, you guys can come on up. Peter was hurt a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus says what? Then feed my sheep. What's Jesus doing? The first thing Jesus is doing is this. He's calling Peter back to the mission. And you got to ask yourself questions. Why am I alive? Why am I breathing? I don't know if anybody's told you, but we just lived through a pandemic. You're alive. You're breathing. You're on the earth. You're here today. But the question is why? Why are you and me, why are we alive right now at this time and place in history? Are we here just to make money? Are we here just to have our kids play sports? Are we here 
just to get more stuff? Why are we alive? The Lord told us back in Genesis, we're here to reign. We're here to have authority. We're here to bring people to Jesus. So what happens when Jesus comes? He brings us back to the mission. He says, this is the mission. This is why you're alive. This is why you're here right now. I want to use your life. I remember I was a really, really new believer in Jesus. I was just trying to figure things out. But I remember I'd go to the sanctuary and I would pray. And I remember one night I was just in the Lord's presence and I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I want you to pour my life out like a drink, like a spilled drink. Just pour it out wherever you want. I had no idea what I was praying because the Lord heard my prayer and that's what he's done with my life. But that's what I want him to do with this church. I want this church to be full of people that go, Lord, just use me however you want. Whatever your plans, whatever you want, use me for your purposes. The second thing we see is this. Jesus silences the lies of the enemy in Peter. Peter 100% failed. Peter 100% feels like a failure. And what does Jesus do? He comes on the scene and he goes, nope, I'm gonna cover your failure and I'm gonna remind you who you are. I'm gonna remind you that you're my son. I'm gonna remind you that you're my daughter. I'm gonna remind you that I chose you. I'm gonna remind you that I paid such a high sacrifice with my life and my blood for you. I'm gonna remind you who you are, that you're not just a nobody in this earth, that you are my son. And when we come to that place, we go, I'm a son, I'm a daughter of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, it changes our complete perspective of this world. And we think to ourselves, I'm not here to just take up space. I'm here to reign. I'm here to walk in authority. I'm here to have purpose in this life. The third thing that we see Jesus is when Jesus came, what happens? Peter sheds. And what does he shed? He sheds disappointment. He sheds anger. He sheds sadness. He sheds fear. He sheds loss. And all of a sudden, what? Peter has a brand new perspective about who he is and what God's calling him to do. Amen? Come on, give it up for the Word of God this morning. Why don't you stand to your feet?